Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market here on the Duncan Duo Show on WFLA News. I'm Andrew Duncan, joined by Robert Johnson, El Presidente. That's me. And Taryn Silkworth, the GOAT. That's what Daniel has named her, the GOAT of, uh, of our real estate team. And so today we're, we're going to start our conversation today like we do every Sunday about real estate, but we're going to start with talking about Zillow. Um, if you've been paying attention to news at all or you follow real estate that much, uh, Zillow paused their home buying enterprise this week, and some people speculated that it could be a sign of problems in the real estate market, but I want to let you know, if Zillow, Zillow may be done buying homes, I'm not. So if you want an instant cash offer for your house, you want to get your home sold, go to DuncanDuo.com. But while they're pausing home buying, is it necessarily a problem with the market, or is it a problem with Zillow's infrastructure and maybe them overpaying too much for houses? So my my first take on it is, you know, I don't see any red flags about the real estate market. Price is still rising, inventory is still at record lows. We're still seeing bidding wars. Um, I think this is just simply, um, you know, a company that maybe bid off more than they could chew and couldn't keep up with their pace and and ultimately um, maybe made a lot of bad decisions that has led them to a place where they kind of have to pause. So if you are someone that's still looking for an instant cash offer, it's out there. We'd love to help you. Again, you can go to DuncanDuo.com, but Zillow pausing their home buying is, in my opinion, not about any concern about the real estate market. Would you guys agree? Uh, yeah, I, I 100% agree. I 100% agree. Yeah, I don't I don't think it has anything to do with any red flags in real estate. If you look otherwise, because the other reason why I say that is because so many times people think the real estate market is some national market like the stock market. Real estate's different in every single city and every single state and every single country, even in every single neighborhood. So if they pause nationally, you, you can't have a bad national real estate market. You can have a bad market in a certain area. You can have a great market in a certain area. But for, for them to pause it nationally, if they felt like there was a concern about somewhere in the country's real estate market because real estate's so local, they would simply stop and pause buying there. They wouldn't pause nationally. Pausing nationally tells me that there's something wrong with their you know organization, their infrastructure. And, and you know we've heard it from clients. We've heard issues that they've had. We know they've had issues. Um, and, and ultimately I've seen them buy homes that I can't understand. I really, I'm, you know, baffled sometimes by the homes that they buy. Um, and, and some of the things that they do that just don't make sense. So nonetheless, um, no concerns about red flags in the real estate market, but there's still people out there buying houses. The real estate market is still strong. Um, and, and Zillow, uh, they may come back. They may not, who knows, but, but the reality is that, um, you know, their, their pausing doesn't have anything to do with the underlying signs of the real estate market. I mean, let's look at the inventory, for example, in Tampa. We're hovering less than a month of inventory. Yeah, I mean, you know, just since they've started the program, it, Zillow, they've bought 3,500 homes. And a lot of those homes, they haven't even turned around and been able to resell yet. And then the ones that they have, you know, from what we have seen, at least on the ones we've researched locally, a lot of them they incurred a lot of loss on. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there is some that they've made some money on, but most of them they incurred a large loss on it. So I think if they look at that nationally, especially where places don't have the return like we've had the past year, um, I think that that was probably a big red flag for them. I think they were probably struggling to get a lot of the work done that they needed to get maximum value of yeah. these homes. And I think they probably had to stop and reassess what they were going to do going forward because they have a lot of inventory. I, I think they also underestimated what it takes to get a house ready for sale. Mm -hmm. I, I think that uh, the, with labor shortages <clears throat> being a major obstacle 
Um, the other obstacle is, you know, the timeline, permits, the, the steps in the process. I think all of those things were things that they didn't quite factor into the process to be able to resell the homes. Um, and, and I think that that, you know, that has, you know, gridlocked them as well. And, and there's, you know, there's nothing um, that can replace a local investor that has those local connections, still has cash. But they have the resources to be able to buy the home and move quickly. I think they're, um, you know, some of the things I've seen that are kind of a drawback for them. You know, we, you know, we have a program now where you, you know, you can basically trade in your house. Okay, and the reality is that Zillow being inflexible with certain terms kind of eliminates the convenience that some people want. Some people want that convenience where they can sell their home and kind of stay in it for a little bit, then move out. And you know, being a big, large. Um, you know, publicly traded company causes them to have limitations in that regard. I think a lot of investors, myself included, um, that that buy homes and resell homes and flip homes have figured out, you know, how to be more flexible with people, how to say, you know what, you can stay in your home after you after you uh, sell it to us for a little bit so you can move, so you can have some time in between. Or maybe it's someone who wants to sell and rent for six months or, you know, who, who knows what the situation is. But some of their inflexibility, I think, is is also leading to this because people want convenience. And if, um, you know, and if they can't provide that extra level of convenience, then consumers are going to look for it somewhere else. And so, so again, if you are looking for that convenience, DuncanDuo.com for an instant cash offer on your Tampa Bay home uh, anywhere in the Tampa Bay area. So I want to get to another question, which is, um, you know, I, I did a YouTube video this week and I called it Ninja Seller Tips. And so if you um, subscribe to our YouTube channel, you can check it out, youtube.com backslash uh, the Duncan Duo. And, and so... On the Ninja Tips, one of the things that I talked about was, you know, sellers pricing on whole numbers. Um, I think far too often we see people price their house like three ninety nine instead of four hundred, or four twenty four nine instead of four twenty five. And you know, obviously, you guys having done this a long time, the the reality is is that when sellers price their home off of a strategic price point, they miss traffic. They miss the person that says, you know what, I'm looking up to 400. And then maybe you're on the second or third page at 399 for all the people that list at 400. And then if you have somebody looking from 400 to 600, they miss you there because you're at 399. So there's a lot of tips out there. That's one of the ones that I paid attention to that I thought was was pretty relevant. I think another one is, is how important the photos and videos are and how important the weather is um, on photos and videos day. Like, we know that that's important. I know that there are times when, I mean, how often do we end up taking a listing that was listed by multiple other agents and it didn't sell because the photos look like crap? Lots. <laughs> I've even raised the price on a few right, and sold them because the marketing was horrendous. Yeah. And and not just the in the marketing, the photos, like, because here's what happens if you hire somebody that's not an experienced listing agent. Listing agent, you know, the listing agent enterprise of our business is all about marketing. It's all about showcasing the property. If you're hiring someone that lists one home a year, or I mean, it, it would be like saying, you know what, I need brain surgery. I'm going to go to the guy that's going to do it the cheapest, and he only does it once a year. I mean, that's ultimately what you're doing. You know, we, we've sold thousands of homes, so we have that experience where we're going to take into consideration all these things. We're going to make sure the marketing is on point. But if the photos are bad or on a bad weather day, here's what ends up happening. The consumer looks at the property, even though it might be the right price, it might have all the right features, but if that front photo doesn't make an impression, they click next and you miss them. And, and so we want to prevent that. But we have sold hundreds of homes for people 
thousands at this point, that were listed with other agents. And so often the marketing was bad, the photos were bad. They went with their friend who gave them a discount, when in reality they thought, oh wow, man, I saved a point or two on commission, uh, but they sold it for you know 30 or 50 grand less than what they could have gotten by hiring a good negotiating agent. Another tip that I had, and this is something we've implemented in our business, and I'll let you guys talk on this, is not rushing to accept an offer too quickly. Like, how important is that, guys? Like, so many, so many times people do it, and then another offer comes in, and they lost out on the ability to raise the price. Yeah, it's very important. You know, and also time is of the essence because our market is hyper fast. So you have to know how to keep the agent and the buyer engaged without accepting the offer too quickly. And we, you know, we have lots of systems set up to ensure that we get multiple offers for for our sellers but yes there is a uh, kind of a give and take on how to make sure that you do I that think yeah, it's, it's a little, little bit of negotiating playing the game yeah, a little bit you know, representing your client yeah it's about being emotionally you know keeping everyone emotionally invested real estate's very very emotional but it's also about using certain strategies in order to you know make sure that you're working in the seller's best interest and getting the most offers as possible while keeping the offers that you have emotionally invested. So it is a balance. It is a tightrope walk. But I think that that's the difference between a great agent and in, you know any other agent because the emotional investment and the tightrope walk, rope walk is potentially worth tens of thousands of dollars depending on the price point of the property. And you have to keep that all the way through the process until closing because you still have to get through negotiations, inspections, and everything else and keep that emotion there. Yeah, I think one other thing that I talked about in my uh, Ninja Seller Ninja Tips, Home Seller Ninja Tips video on our YouTube channel was pricing aggressively. Um, I think this is super crucial. People will, not just on the strategic price points, because I think it's important not to be on the opposite side of that. For example, if you think a house is worth 303,000, you should price it at 300, and then with the expectation that you'll drive the price up, maybe in a bidding war, maybe you do get it to 303 or 305. But far too often, sellers will try and, you know, bump up their price, and then they'll get a lower offer, where if they would have priced it at what the offer came in at, um, or maybe a little bit more aggressively, the price could have gotten driven up. And again, that's my recommendation. When we sit down with sellers, though, we do give them the choice. It's, you know, we say like, look, you can listen to this, this or this. Here's what's going to happen, which way you go. It's your choice. But if you do want to drive the leverage, if you want to drive the terms, if you want to, you know, if you want it to happen quickly or slowly, you want time to find a house, all those things. When you price it more aggressively and you get multiple offers, you're in the driver's seat. If a seller wants a longer closing or they want a lease back which I hate doing, but we have to do it sometimes. You know, all these types of things that that sellers may want for convenience. Um, when they're in the leveraged position and they have more than one person competing for the house, they have that ability. If they price it at max retail and they get one offer three months down the line, um, they don't have that leverage that they have right. if they price aggressively and it happens quickly. And the quicker it happens, not only are you more likely to get a better price, but you're talking about less mortgage payments, less taxes, less maintenance. You know, you can kind of get on with your life. But but I think pricing aggressive is crucial in this market. Yeah, and that's one of the things that when I sit down with a seller that I educate them on the market. My job is to educate you as a seller to make sure that we make the best decision as a team, right? So if your house, just for example, I just did one in Brandon. You know, this house needed a ton of work. I knew they did Let, not have a Let's go, Brandon. Oh, maybe, did I just say that? <laughs> I just said that. Okay, keep going. Okay, so um, there was a house in Brandon that needed a lot of work. These sellers were military, did not have a lot of money. 
they had met with other agents, but they felt that they just threw some pie in the sky price to get them to list where I did not. I sat down with them and went over, listen, let's play with the market. This is what you do. Let's price it a little bit under market value because this house needs, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it ended up selling it for $32,000 over the asking price. That's incredible. And, because and that's, that's they a, listened to me. Yeah, it's a perfect testament to exactly what we do and our goal is to net you the most amount of money. Obviously, we have tools that can give you maximum convenience. You can sell it quickly. You can get out quickly. Uh, you know, get a cash offer, all those types of things. We have trade-in programs. And then, of course, if you want to maximize retail value, if that's your goal, then we're going to look at that too. And, and you know, there's a lot of different things that we can do that are different than other agencies. But we'll be back. We're going to continue this conversation after a quick break here on WFLA News. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Andrew Duncan uh, with Robert Johnson and Terrence Silkworth all on the Duncan Duo team. If you missed our first segment, we talked about home seller ninja tips. We've got a video up on our YouTube channel. You check that out by searching for The Duncan Duo on YouTube. Follow us on all of our socials. We are at The Duncan Duo. Uh, my next topic is home buyer ninja tips. And I, I talked about this on our socials this week, too. Um, I even did a couple of kicks. I almost pulled my hamstring um, trying to do the ninja. I literally introduced them with ninja kicks. Um, but I'm still here. I didn't pull any, didn't pull, didn't have any injuries. So the very first ninja tip I said, and I think you guys can talk about this, too. Get pre-qualified before even looking at a house. A hundred percent. That's, oh man, that even representing a seller, you know, you want to make sure everybody that's coming through there needs to be pre-qualified, especially in today's market. When, when they find something that they like as a buyer, they need to be ready to pounce on it. And you can only do that if you're pre-qualified. I think the other side of it is you, you know what you can afford and what you can't afford. And you know, if you have to do anything with your credit or taxes, sometimes self-employed people don't realize how much they write off and then it makes them qualify for less. So they think they could easily, easily qualify for a $500,000 house and then find out they can only qualify for 425. So the reality is the more that you do upfront, the better position you're in, the more you avoid making a mistake in a really heated, fast paced real estate market. You need to, you need to know that information. Um, offering a random number, I think, is something effective too. Let's say a house is listed at three hundred thousand. Offer three hundred one thousand three hundred thirty-two. Um, the the two things it does is one, it bumps you over somebody that might offer the whole number just below you. But secondly, it's going to make the seller think like, wow, they actually did some research. They they really they really drilled down. They you know they did some. They're really factoring comps in, and and especially if they're a really analytical seller, it'll be impressive to them. Even if you're not analytical at all and you just offer a random number, it's going to make your offer stand out. It's going to make it look um, you know better. Don't just focus on brand new listings. Um, everyone's chasing the brand new listing. Um, if you want to avoid a bidding war and have success in this real estate market, look at the stuff that's been on the market a little while that's maybe had a price reduction or two, or maybe that had bad marketing. Maybe it's got bad photos. That doesn't mean the house is bad. It just means the person marketing it didn't do a great job. The house could be exactly what you want. And I said the same thing to our agents recently. I told them, don't just show your clients new listings. Look for older listings that fit the criteria that they're looking at and show them some of those older homes because sometimes they're exactly what the client needs, but the client skipped over it because it's been on the market a couple months because originally it wasn't priced well. Now it is. Or because they had bad photos and now they've updated them. So um, that that's another um, you know important one. Um, commute time test is another thing that I recommend. I think we can all agree commute times in Tampa, as our population has grown, have gotten a little longer. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's longer to get from point A to point B. 
Um, I know you coming from Carrollwood. I know that that's a brutal trip sometimes. Yeah, and it's so close, but it's so far. Yeah. You know, Brand. Think about Brandon. I mean, it's so much farther away, but because of the crosstown and everything, you can get somewhere much quicker. So, if you have somebody that's not familiar with the market, or even if you're not super familiar with commute times, you should really encourage people to commute during the times of day they would normally be commuting. Yeah, because that's what people do. They'll be like, "Oh, I drove out there. You know, I'm going to work in downtown, and I drove out to you know West Chase, and it took me 24 minutes. It's like, good luck on Monday morning at eight. <laughs> o'clock good luck right. you know like the, the reality is you should you should do a commute time test during rush hour during the times when it's going to matter to you so you know another thing that i think is part of that same thing is drive through a neighborhood at different times a day you know you learn more about a neighborhood you can talk to a neighbor or two i'm a big believer in buyers doing their own due diligence you're obviously as an agent you're going to help them with the contract and the formal processes of you know, inspection and those types of things, but nothing can replace you walking through a neighborhood or maybe even talking to a couple neighbors to decide if that's really where you want your family to live. So, but, but the commute time test is really important. We've had people who have come back to us after they bought a home six months later and had us sell it because of how long they were sitting in their car every day. I think the last thing is be patient with the process. The dates in a real estate contract are a, are a goal. They aren't set in stone. There's just way too many hands in the cookie jar. You've got the lender, the title company, you've got the weather, you've got insurance. I mean, if I told you how many times I had to deal with complaints from people that were upset that a closing date wasn't met, when in reality, the buyer and the seller have very little to do with the execution of whether the closing date is on time or not. Yeah, our biggest problem right now is appraisals. They're taking forever. forever. Yep, forever. I would tell you, you know, we always get blamed for it, and that's not a woe is me, but real estate agents also have no, almost no control over no. They, you know, real estate agents, we need to set expectations. So that's where it comes in where we need to say, hey, you know, this is a target. This is not set this in stone. But really, I would tell you the lending side um, is definitely so involved. There's so many moving parts that most of the time there's going to be some kind of delay in financing or the appraisal or, you know, they need an extra document that maybe yeah. the lender doesn't doesn't even know until it goes into underwriting. So it's just, there's so many hands in the pot, like you said, that there's so many chances for a delay. I'm always telling people, just think of it as a target and then plan for a week of buffer. Right. If you I get delayed, you, you have a backup plan. Can you put your stuff in storage? Can you, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you have a backup plan so that you can navigate um, and work through it while, you know, the closing gets delayed? Because in reality, it, it's just, it's very, very common with, with lending standards today with, with all the things going on. And and unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, there's going to be a lot of people during the holidays taking vacation. You know, that's just the way it is. So it, it you know, it rears its ugly head when mortgage lenders are understaffed and can't keep up with the workflow and people are taking off on vacation. So we're going to be back. We're going to continue our conversation about the Tampa Bay real estate market after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Andrew Duncan at the Duncan Duo. All of our social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. You'll even see me do ninja ticks, ninja kicks on TikTok uh, with our home seller ninja tips and home buyer ninja tips. And um, I want to talk next about home affordability. Uh, recent article in Tampa Bay Business Journal talked about home affordability reaching or not reaching, declining to its lowest point since 2008. That ultimately means prices are increasing uh, at a rapid pace, um, you know, and interest rates, while they're still low, um, aren't dropping at the same pace that homes are rising at. You know, while they have dropped, um, in order to keep affordability the same, if prices are rising, interest rates would have to flatten, and that isn't happening, or not flatten, but decrease. So, nonetheless, first-time home buyers are going to have major struggles and continue to have major struggles because the hedge funds, the uh, buy-to-rent uh, landlords, 
the competition in the market and not just um, the competition from corporations, but also the competition from people moving to Tampa Bay from all over the country um, is going to continue to drive prices high. And it's going to continue to cause problems for affordability. I mean, we're approaching, we're really close to $400,000 being an average sale price. Which in is insane. Bay. That's crazy. I mean, I remember just a few years ago, $400,000, I thought of it as luxury. So now $400,000 is like an average two-bedroom house. In but I'll also say, like, if Mike was here, it it really is about the monthly payment for True. people that are True. purchasing homes. Because... I do think the market could shift some, not astronomically, but as rates rise, prices are going to have a problem yeah. rising anymore. I agree. They're not going to keep up the same pace. Like So so now are prices going to decrease? Not a chance. Not for a long time. There's just no- but, but are they going to rise at the pace they've been rising at? No, because now you're going to start to get... Um, you know, infrastructure with materials being produced at a, at a better pace because of the overhang from from COVID. Labor starts to increase. Um, you know, there's less of a labor shortage. So, so I don't suspect that um, prices are going to continue to rise at the same clip. They'll flatten some, but it's still an obstacle for home buyers to look at the affordability. But if you look at again, really low rates. Here's the important thing, though. And this is what they're not talking about. When they talk about real estate prices, they're trying to talk about it in a vacuum. But what's happening to rent prices? They're skyrocketing too. Skyrocketing. So, so is it really, I mean, you know, proportionately, they look to be increasing comparably, if not more, than mortgage payments would. So, so the reality is that while this article may seem like, oh, you should stop buying a house, well, you got to have a place to live. Well, you're either going to make your landlord rich or you're going to get some tax benefits and some equity. Well, actually, I mean, this is in play. I feel like we can talk about this. But if you look at an inflation chart, home prices are actually much lower than what's going on nationally with inflation. Yeah, no doubt about so it. So they have gone up, but they're actually behind inflation right now, even though they are also rising. So Correct. people keep... It's almost like people are talking about the wrong things because home prices are not going up as much as they could, truthfully. Yeah, it's correct, especially with the labor increases yep. and all that. Because So again, these things are going to keep driving real estate prices up. But like I said, you have to have a place to live. You know, I mean, I guess you don't have to. I mean, you could be homeless. You could live out on Del Mabry and come by my office and try and use the Wi-Fi. I mean, you could just do all that if you wanted to. Everyone uh, else That is does. a regular thing. Everyone That's else a regular does. Thing. But, but the reality is that you know, with, with prices are where they are for, you know, purchasing and then rent values are where they are. You're not saving anything. All it is is basically like when, when I see that article, what it makes me think is, oh, this should deter home buyers. And nothing's further from the truth because the reality is your rent's going to go up just as much too. The difference between home ownership and fortunately it's still on the books as of now, but we don't know if it'll change. You know, you get a lot of tax benefits from owning real estate and living in your home. You and get building the equity. equity. Building equity. You don't get that when you're renting a property. You just don't. So so nonetheless, even if home affordability continues to, to be low, uh, rent affordability is just as low. Um, and, and it's why and it's not going to change. There's more and more uh, corporate institutions and hedge funds buying, building and developing real estate in Tampa Bay than we've ever had. And that's not going to change anything. Well, soon. particularly for Tampa Bay, especially when we used to work with a lot of large hedge funds, you know, rent, when you look at cost of living in our area, is actually very high. 
And then purchasing a property for our cost of living is actually still relatively low. Right. So if you're looking to rent in our market, just by the market forces, comparison to some other place, our market is very expensive to rent in. That will not change. It was. It's always been like that. It was like that when prices were where they were 10 years ago. It was still super expensive to rent. So our market is a very expensive rental market. Our market, the numbers always work much, much better when you're looking to purchase. And that's not going to change. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think that, you know, the the when consumers look at it and they're comparing and contrasting, I think the other thing that you have to look about look at is if affordability is low, okay, that means prices are rising. Okay. So if you're buying real estate, yeah, it may cost you a little bit more per month. But just based on, you know, some of the projected appreciation percentages and the things that we've seen over the last couple of years, your appreciation is offsetting a lot of the costs that you may think you're incurring. You're just think of it as, you know, and again, uh, there's a lot of financial analysts that don't want you to think of your home as a bank or an investment. You're supposed to, you know, just use it as your residence. But the reality is, is when prices are going up and you have to factor out, should I pay an extra two or three hundred dollars a month to own this home? When you factor it all out and you get the appreciation gain, it's it's more than worth it. The affordability becomes irrelevant unless you're actually, you know, unless you're actually unable to afford it. You know, the the and certainly there is a segment of the population that this hits. You know, there are people that won't be able to afford a house now. The beautiful part about Tampa Bay and Florida in general right now is because of our population growth, even if it starts to fringe on causing people not to be able to afford it, there's going to be other people there to gobble up the inventory. There's going to be hedge funds. There's going to be people moving from New York that think our real estate looks like a bargain. Uh, People moving from California. I, I got to tell you, I've never seen, never, I've never in my seen, entire career. I was going to say, I've I, never, I've lived here my entire life. My entire life, I'm a native. I've never seen as many California oh, plates crazy. that I've ever yeah. seen. I, I'm, I'm not joking. I mean, I was driving the other day, and before I got home, I counted five in one day. That yeah. is a lot of California license plates oh, and for it's, our area. Man, when I would tell you, you know, flashback to, you know, five years ago, I would guess that we might have had. One person moved from California a year, like, and they were and it, almost always military always, PCS. They always. were moving from Pen- They were moving from a military base out west and moving here as a as a PCS, you know, soldier. Now, what we're getting now are people, families, not associated with the military, packing up their families and moving here from California. A funny story. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, I'm at Tampa Car Dude. Uh, mostly because that's my hobby. Like I love real estate, but cars are are fun for me. So if you follow me, if you're into cars at all, you know you can check out my page. But the cool thing is, is this is probably around a year ago. Um, you know, being a car junkie, I bought an actual screen used toolbox from the original Fast and Furious movie. Okay, guy that owned it lived in California. He was the technical advisor for the Fast and Furious movies, and I, I've just always been a fan of of those movies and of cars in general. So anyway, it's in California. And I fly out to California with the idea of how am I going to ship this home? I couldn't find anyone to ship at home. I had to rent a van. Okay. (laughs) My brother-in-law drove the van from, I paid him, but he drove it from California. Do you know how hard it was to rent a van? And this is just a year ago. It's gotten worse. Like it's, it's even, there's even more people because they didn't have any inventory of moving trucks. The shippers couldn't get to it for weeks because of how much movement is happening. Now, I don't think they talk about it a lot in the press. I think it kind of gets combed over, but we're seeing a massive influx of people from California. There's no question about it. And literally my, my own task of renting a moving van to, to get it driven across country 
was more problematic than I could have possibly imagined how many places I had to go to to find one and how expensive it was because they were all being used to drive cross country to move. And they are buying here sight unseen with the marketing that we're doing and the affordability compared to where they're from here, you know, they're buying $700,000 homes at a drop of a hat. That would be it's two crazy. or three million dollars where they're from. Right. It's it's crazy. And and so so as a normal native person here, you gotta compete. You're gonna have to compete with that. We just we have a population influx of people moving here that haven't been uh, moving here at the same pace in the past. And it's something that's gonna keep our real estate market healthy for a long time. Look, the polarizing state of the United States right now isn't gonna change anytime soon. So there are people that are moving here. For tax reasons, they don't want to pay state income tax. There are people th- whose jobs allow them to live anywhere now. They can run their companies. They can they can enter. You know, they can talk to their sales team. They, you know, management, leadership people, company owners. They're moving here because of these financial benefits. They don't want to pay state, local, city taxes, and how much house they can get for the dollar here. So, so you as a local person may think, oh my goodness, an average sale price of $400,000. $400,000 in New York City doesn't even get you a toilet. Like you can't even get a bathroom for that. So, so again, that's going to continue. It, it just is. And, and I think that when you do talk about, you know, the, the locality and how important, you know, local, you know, is to real estate, you got winning sports teams. I, I'm as much as, as much as we comb over it, when you have winning sports teams, people, you look like a championship city and you have a lot of development going on. You have the waterfront. People want to live here. You know, why wouldn't you want to like, you know, jog past Tom Brady's house? <laughs> why wouldn't you want to see Gronk at the bar? I mean, like sports fans and we, you know, look, we've got a lot of them in Tampa Bay. Sports fans think that it's, there's a cool factor with the Tampa Bay Lightning winning back to back with the, you know, the Buccaneers winning and, you know, continuing to win the Rays even. Even though they can't get half the stadium filled, they're they're winning. You know, like they're a winning organization. So people people are driven here from other parts of the country that are huge sports fans because they, even though they may stay loyal to their team there, they can go to games here. They can experience a winning culture and a winning attitude. It just it it really matters. So, and I think what's going on with downtown Tampa around Amelie and the Lightning is also further, you know, further, you know, encouraging job growth, job creation. Um, you know, Midtown. Have you guys been through that, by the way? Yeah, it's yes, awesome. It's, it's awesome. awesome. So cool. Yeah. Like I, I'm a, like I've been like cutting weight. Like I'm down like twenty something pounds, and uh, it's it's a divorce diet. You know, like I think I can publicly say that. But, um, but the the, the reality is that uh, I want to go to Shake Shack like every day. <laughs> you know, I mean, I literally I want to eat at Shake Shack. Does it call your name? Everything it does. It, it does. Those milkshakes too. But, but I but I go for the I go for the grilled nuggets. I, I stay safe. I go I go after the grilled nuggets at Chick-fil-A. I keep I keep my guy Donovan on Gandhi Boulevard busy and I, I stay loyal to to Chick-fil-A. But Shake Shack calls my name. But so those little developments like that are gonna pop up all over Tampa Bay. It's gonna be more office development, there's gonna be more commercial buildings, more businesses, more restaurants. And and so as that continues to happen, it's gonna continue to be attractive to people. I remember just a few years ago I had a friend of mine that lived out on the West Coast and he said, Man, you know, I came to Tampa and it's just, it's just not, it doesn't have the vibe for me. There's not enough to do. There's not enough restaurants. There's not enough this or not enough that came here to visit. And he's like, I'm sold. Like I'm ready. I'm, I'm moving. Like, why do I'm ready? Right. Like, so Tampa, in addition to, you know, all these things contributing to positive real estate market, Tampa as a city is doing what it needs to do to, to develop 
grow and be attractive to people from all over the world. Even the outside, you know, sub towns of yeah, Tampa, suburbs. Wesley Chapel. I yeah. mean, I'm also a native. When we were growing up here, that was cattle country. Yeah. Now there's malls. And there's the outlet mall. Like there, I, there is. There's Hobby Lobby. I mean, I don't have to drive. I need to go. You're really selling it with the outlet listen, mall. Hobby, Hobby Lobby. Lobby is my favorite place in the <laughs> world. I will drop too. 500 there in a second. Yeah. So, I love Hobby Lobby. So it's just crazy. Like, Everything, people. There's so much. There's so much job growth in Spring Hill. Yeah. When's the last time we've ever heard I about know. that? I Fernando mean, County. Even. It's construction it's crazy. too is a big part of it. We're gonna be back. We're gonna wrap up with our last segment after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo joined by Robert Johnson, El Presidente. It's me and the Terrence Silkworth. Uh, listing partner, senior listing partner, number one agent at my company. Don't try and recruit her. I will uh, come to your house. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we, um, you know, we were talking before uh, our last break, talked about home seller ninja tips, home buyer ninja tips, and then uh, housing affordability and kind of the impact of, of what we're seeing locally. The last thing I want to talk about in today's show is, is rent to own programs. This is something that if you're someone who maybe, maybe has bad credit uh, maybe isn't certain that you want to buy. Maybe you know you don't have enough down payment to qualify yet. There are programs out there that can take you as a renter, put you in a home that you want to purchase but can't quite purchase. Someone buys it, you rent it from them, and your part of your rent payment goes towards the eventual purchase. It's a great program for people out there struggling with credit, struggling with the down payment money, to still have the ability to uh, lock in a today price. Um, and, and, and purchase a home. And that's what's actually, it's so funny we're talking about price and locking it in. So when we talked about these programs several years ago, you know, we've been working with one specifically. Um, and we'd love, if you if this sounds of interest of you, please give us a call. We'd love to yeah. get you go in to touch Dun- with them. Go to DuncanDuo.com, send us a message, yeah, give us a buzz. When we talked about this years ago, we thought, oh my gosh, well, you have to be guaranteed that that price is going to be, you know, you agree, you agree to the price up front that you're going to purchase it in, in a couple of years. Right. All those people if they ended up purchasing that home, would make a ton of money. They ended up making a ton of money because yeah, it appreciated, but oh my gosh, it appreciated way more than that price. And there are a lot of savvy investors. Look, if you're out there renting, like I said, maybe you have bad credit, maybe you're self-employed, maybe a lender looks at your, how much you write off and it's problematic. There are people out there that have made millions and millions of dollars doing lease options on properties and tying in uh, future prices, locking in future prices today, and end up buying the properties and making a ton of money. Uh, And now there are programs out there that allow regular consumers off the street to move into a house that's on the market for sale, fund number A, buys house, rents it back to the person, so they get the house that they want that's for sale, and ultimately they lock in a future price today and allows them to make money on the appreciation while also getting the home they want, making sure they like it. They could live there for a year or two. Maybe things don't work. Maybe they want to do something different. Whatever it is, the reality is that there are a lot of these funds out there that allow you to do it, allows you to get into a home. And, and frankly, like some of the most wealthiest real estate investors in the world, using a lease option, you know, rent to own to your advantage. There's so many commercial property owners that do this, lock in this price, and then years later, they're like, oh, my buy price is 500. This building's worth 700. I'm going to buy it. You know, and and so um, with the record appreciation, we've seen so many of those people. And so again, credit issues. Let's say you got bad credit, but you got good income, or you got, you know, great credit, but low income, or let's say you don't have the down payment money, or simply you're not quite sure if you want to buy or not. 
Um, there are a lot of reasons why it makes sense, and there are funds out there now, and we've had great success with these funds. You know, they, oh, yeah. they I mean, they, they, they make fair offers, and they work out terms with you ahead of time, and, and it's, it really is a great program for people that struggle to qualify to buy in today's market. And as it gets, let's say, you know, you want to, you know, you want a certain priced home and, you know, maybe you don't feel comfortable affording it. So you do this or you do that, or you don't have the down money. There's so many reasons why someone might not want to buy. And this is like a bridge. It's like a, it's kind of middle ground, so to speak. So. Yeah. For sure. And they're also, too, compared to where they were five years ago to now, when I get those offers for my seller, I have no problem explaining to the, it to them because to the seller, it's just like a cash offer. Yeah. But to that buyer, they get to get in their dream home. Right. And it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. So, so again, um, it, if you know someone struggling to buy a house, been you know not qualified for a loan, has uh, self-employment or does a bunch of gigs. I've all, I've seen this a lot too. I've seen mortgage lenders having a problem with people that do gig work. What I mean is like Uber, Uber Eats, or there are high cash tip people, you know, bartenders, servers, you know, the ones that actually show up and don't make you wait 45 minutes before you can get a meal because there's no servers there. <laughs> I'm joking, but I'm serious. But no, like in all reality, those types of incomes sometimes are hard to document, hard to qualify for a mortgage. This is where these programs come into play. So if you want to buy a house and you've been denied for one reason or another, please reach out to us. We'll place you into one of these programs. We'll introduce you to this fund and see if it's something that, um, you know, that works for you and, and your family and helps you buy a home. You know, it's just a little bit of a different cycle. It's a little bit different path. It's not going to happen. You get to move into it, but you won't own it for a while. But you literally... With, with some of the programs, you get to name the price that you'll buy it for at some future point down the line. And everyone that did it the last year did really well because the house went up greater than That's the price right. that was factored in. So That's right. anyway, you've been listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on WFLA News. We're back every Sunday at 10 when we are on air. Make sure to follow us at all of our socials at the Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Uh, here to one more time introduce that we are the official real estate agents of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I know I've said it the last couple of weeks, but uh, we did renew our deal, so we're super excited about it. And uh, we'll have some giveaways for signed memorabilia and tickets on future shows. And uh, have an awesome rest of your Sunday, Tampa Bay.